Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, you folks, it's your host, the Conesy with the Most. We are recording episode 78 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. And wait a minute. What was that voice? Evil Twin. Is it? What? Well, that, that's a Stark the Raving, the Mad One himself, but who else is on this show with us? Hey, everybody. It's Justin. <laughs> hey, Somebody's Justin. hacked into our system. Yeah, we've, we've been hacked. No, no. Actually, what we've got is a brand new host on the show, so let's give Justin a big round of applause. Woo! Yay. That was exciting. So... <laughs> We've brought Justin on to the show to kind of help out and bring in a new area of expertise and and growth for the podcast. So uh, it's very awesome to have you on board. We're very excited to see what you what what comes, and we're really looking forward to all of the good things that having another uh, voice on the show and on the on the blog is going to going to bring us. So I guess to start with um, Justin. Maybe just give us a little bit about how you got started in the whole gaming thing and what motivates you and what you're excited about, and then uh, we'll get into the main topic in just a little bit. Yeah, great. Hey, I just want to say, too, I'm excited to be joining you guys and be part of the Whiskey Dice community. Like you said, my name is Justin. I've been playing tabletop games of various kinds probably since I was... 10 or 11 years old. My parents are pretty big nerds. They played D&D. They had board games around the house. So that was just part of, you know, my my childhood growing up was board games and tabletop games. It sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, it, there, there's a there's a benefit to having, you know, geeky parents for sure. I got into Magic the Gathering quite a bit when I was in high school, Dungeons and Dragons, played some Warhammer 40k uh, when I was in high school, somehow on a high schooler's budget. <laughs> it was a lot less expensive back then. You know, I suppose I had disposable income then, too. Yeah, it's, it wasn't $50 for five figures either, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, nowadays, uh, board games is my big passion gravitate towards you know euro games uh strategy games but i really appreciate a good dungeon crawler too you know when a, a good thematic game gets me just as uh good as a as a real thinky heavy strategy game so you oh. mentioned euro games right so we just changed over kind of this format where we're talking a lot more about board games and so there might be some folks out there in our audience that don't know or maybe haven't heard the slang of Eurogame or Ameritrash or any, some of these other common terms that we used in the board gaming world to kind of describe a style of game. Um, so when, when you're talking Eurogame, what, what does that really mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for me, I, I associate that term euro game with uh sort of economy focused strategy games where i'm managing resources i'm 
maybe it's a got worker placement mechanics. I think, you know, big examples of this might be Agricola or you guys talked about Architects of the West Kingdom recently. Uh, that's something I'd put in that category. Less focus on combat, a little less focus on theme. That's that's kind of what I associate with, with that term, Euro game. They, I, I would add to that, the, just, just kind of from my, from my perspective, is that a Euro game tends to be less luck-driven, uh, so oh, to speak. Yeah. So you don't typically see dice in... Uh, in what what are referred to as euro games more of yeah you might have a random deck of cards that changes up the gameplay experience or a couple of random decks of cards that'll change that gameplay experience but generally speaking there is a set of, you know, there, there's a set of actions that you're going to take and perhaps another player might take those actions instead but you're not going to have like an intense player interaction experience where maybe you're sabotaging and taking another player's resources or where you're uh any kind of really attacking it's it's very very kind of uh you know focus on your engine low player conflict probably you you might say there's definitely euro games that have some you know direct conflict between between players but yeah low player conflict low luck definitely perfect perfect so with that we have something we haven't done in pretty much forever and that is a contest with our new host coming on the show we thought it would be a great idea for you guys out there to have the opportunity to get to know justin now, you can do this, uh, and, and you'll also get to enter the contest by finding the post for this episode on your favorite social media platform and ask Justin a question. That's it. You can enter multiple times. Just go to different social media platforms. So if you, so if you find, us, find this post on Facebook and put a question there, you can go find us on Twitter and respond to the post for this this episode with a different question. One of the things too is your question needs to be unique. So if somebody else has asked this question, then you need to ask a different question than that. Like if you want to ask Justin what his favorite color is or his favorite food is or his favorite game if we didn't mention it on this show. Every question has to be unique. That's the only only requirement. So you can't copy anybody else's questions and that's unique for that social media platform. Should you keep it PG also? <laughs> Should keep it keep it PG, yep. That's a good idea. What we'll do is on March 26th, we'll collect all of the entries and announce the winner on episode 79. On top of that, on episode 79, we're going to pick some of our favorite questions and make Justin an- answer them on the air. Doubly good for you if you go ahead and get your entries in. Then you're going to ask me... Cozy, what do we get for entering and doing all this work, getting to know Justin? Because you know it's like work, really, right? What we have, what I have sitting in front of me right now, are three really cool board games. The first game is Chaos Marauders by Fantasy Flight Games. It's a game for two to four players. Plays with a bunch of cards and get laid out on like a tableau, and you do all sorts of cool stuff. 
Then we have Time Chase, which is a trick-taking game. So it's predominantly cards, but there's some other tokens and whatnot in it. And you can go back and pass mysteriously to win tricks that you didn't win in the past uh, that were played. So it's kind of cool that way. It's a cool little trick-taking game. Again, I think that's for two to four players. And then the big one here that we have, at least the, probably the biggest named one, is Tiny Epic Defenders from Gameland Games. I believe that's what the, who that's from. So all these games will be uh, actually given away. So we will have three winners for this particular contest. So, But in order to win, you do have to get that question on those social media platforms for Justin. So make sure you get that in. Yeah, I look forward to those questions. Get creative. We look we look forward to hammering you with some hard questions, some tough ones. So, all right. <laughs> what games have we been playing? I'm going to go ahead and start here real quick. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Through the Ages. Uh, this was originally introduced to me through Board Game Arena, so if you want to check out this game, you can go jump on Board Game Arena and play there. What it, it's a game from Vladil Chavadil is the uh, designer of the game, and it was public uh, currently published by Czech's Game uh, CGE Czech's Games Edition. It is civilization game, but it's done with cards. So you have there's four ages throughout the game, but he's, effectively in each age you kind of go from the ancient age. Actually, it's five ages. You, get, you have the ancient age. You have the uh, first age, which is kind of your Middle Ages. The second age is kind of your, I would say, the 1800s, 1900s. And then you have the third age, which is really kind of modern times. And then you have the fourth age, which is just one finally. Everybody basically gets one player turn, and then it's over. You can do all the cool stuff that you do in normal civilization games. There's battling, and there's technology advancements, and there's actually resources. So while you have a bunch of cards that you can select from... You have certain amount of action points to, to basically acquire workers and mine minerals and then promote those workers to various tasks, whether that's to add in them to your armies or, you know, in various troop types or devoting them to science or religion or various other activities. So it's it's a really cool game. Volatil Chavadil is one of my favorite designers for games. Dungeon Lords, Dungeon Pets, this one, just wide variety of really good games that he's done. So... That's the kind of the game that I've been playing probably quite or quite a bit. I, there's other games in there, but that's the one that I've been really keyed up on. I played it on Board Game Arena and what instantly had to go out and buy a copy for myself. So it just tells you I'm it's very rapidly getting into my top ten favorite games of all time. Justin, what have you been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing Praga Kaput Regni. This is a game published by Rio Grande by the designer Vladimir Suchi, who also designed uh, Underwater Cities, uh, it's probably the biggest one, and Pulsar 2049. Uh, so this is a heavy, thinky strategy game uh, where you are building the medieval city of Prague. So you... Uh, you gather your resources, your gold and your stone, and you have various construction projects that you're you're building and contributing to to uh, earn points. You uh, contribute to the construction of the Prague, uh, the, the St. Vitus Cathedral in Prague, the Hunger Wall, uh, and also to the, the, the Charles Bridge. It's a 
big kind of point salad strategy game. It has a unique uh, action selection mechanism where there's a sort of rondelle, uh, I think they call it a, a action crane. The spokes of this wheel are these double hex tiles where each hex tile has two different actions on it. And on your turn, you just select one of these tiles that are sticking out from this wheel that rotates. Depending on where the tile is on this wheel, you might have to pay some resources if it's a brand new action that just became available. Or if no one's taken it in a while, you you know might get a benefit from taking that action that nobody's been paying attention to. Uh, so you, you take one of these action tiles and you get a choice of two different actions for your turn. And you can you know improve your production mechanisms. You can build the uh, new and old city in Prague. You can advance on the cathedral and the hunger wall tracks to, to, to move up and start multiplying your points. Yeah, this is a big, meaty game. I have played it as... Uh, two-player game and i really am excited to try it with more players i think it will shine with more players in that sense where you are gonna really kind of start competing for these actions that that you want to take but other people are taking the things you want yeah so that's that's the big one that i've been yeah i mean we just did uh praga for our board game brunch uh this past sunday so Oh yeah, super cool game. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. We've played it a couple times now here ourselves. So yeah, it's a cool game. I'm looking forward to getting it to the table, and I can actually have uh, a full set of players. Yeah, it's a good one, and it's it's turned me on to this designer. I mean, I've played uh, Underwater Cities before, but I guess this Pulsar 2049 is also pretty pretty great from what I've read. So I might be checking that out as well. Yeah, Vladimir Suchi. Yeah, Underwater Cities didn't blow me away as far as a game, but I'm I definitely want to try it again. This one Praga was was way cooler. I I really locked in and liked Praga right off the bat. Board yep. maybe is a hair noisy, but you know as far as stuff going on, but otherwise yeah. <laughs> just a really good game. I I really enjoyed it. All right, let's dive into our hobby corner here before we dote on Praga too much. So, <laughs> Brian. We haven't heard from you for a bit. What have you been working on on the hobby side of things? Because I think you've got some stuff here that's really exciting. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I brought it up in our last episode, but I've undertaken a Vampire Counts project that's been set aside for many years. And now that I haven't really been having a chance to play in other miniature games, it seems like a very good time to finish up some of those old projects, so I seem to have kind of dubbed it my VC21 project, so with my lack of games being played recently, I was able to get into some hobby, and I've started on some zombies. I posted the first few the other day. I actually had like a first test model in there too, but I think I had some leftover um, painting style from my uh, Batman miniatures, and I like highlighted it way too much, so it ended up like super bright, but then it, it allowed me to figure out what I wanted to do, and uh, the next four I'm pretty happy with, and it seems like a pretty quick job, so painting zombies is kind of fun, and those were the old original, like, multi-part plastic games workshop zombies, so they're kind of known for being pretty fugly, but I'm pretty happy with how they turned out when I got them painted up. I was actually fairly surprised, and 
one thing I did do recently is I kind of crunched some numbers. I had set out my whole army project. I was hoping to plan to paint. It was probably something close to like 3,000 points or something. Maybe not like a competitive build, but it had a lot of variety of miniatures in there. And I just crunched some numbers with my calculator quick while I was waiting for like, a wash to dry or something on the zombies I was doing. And it ended up working out to being like four models a day or something like, or four models a week I had to do. And I was pretty discouraged because I knew there was like no way with just the time to keep my sanity, I'd be able to do that unless like that's pretty much all I did was paint minis. So that was a little discouraging, but I ended up kind of pulling myself around. I just more or less broke down and narrowed down like a smaller chunk. It's probably something closer to like, a thousand fifteen hundred points or something like that and i think i have a good shot at finishing that this year so i kind of rekindled my excitement for it and i'm really happy to plug away on some old warhammer models and hopefully someday before too long and covid's over we'll see a good old game of warhammer fantasy battles happening yeah i'm looking to play i'm kind of getting excited you watching you do all this hobby work and seeing my dwarfs on the shelf going, man, I want to, I want to crush some zombies and, and skeletons. <laughs> Cause you know, they can't hold up to a good dwarven battle ax. Yeah. You got to help me out. Like I just thought about it. Like all my years of playing Warhammer fantasy, I've never played with a fully painted army of my own of any size. I've used a few other people's painted armies here and there, but I've never had a fully painted by myself army on the table. So We'll have to make that happen for sure once I get a sizable force. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm really excited for it. So I'm excited to you? see it. So I'm working on, uh, I guess my most recent hobby article is or hobby effort is been working on the uh, era game boards for the the era medieval age board game. So the copy, at least the copy I've got of the game, which is. I picked up at Gen Con back in 2019 when it, the game kind of first released. The game boards that came with the game were just plain yellow. Now, I love this board game. I guess it's a roll-and-write game without without any writing, right? So I love the game itself. It's gotten a ton of plays, and it's really cool to like build your – because with the game board, you're building your little castle and whatever on the board, but it's really hard to see like the resource tracks – because it's just this kind of flat yellow. It's really hard to see the numbers that, that do the counting on the resource tracks. So painting that all in, uh, making them all pretty, and I'm actually doing player colors for each board. So I did the first one was kind of the green board, and I the red board finished, and I'm working on the white player board. And so it'll be all like kind of cool like that um, and just kind of add to that game's uh, gaming experience. So clearly this is a different direction for me hobby-wise than where I was going with the Bolt Action Army and some of my other Batman miniature projects that I've been working that I have been working on. But uh, uh, don't worry, I'll get back to the Bolt, particularly that Bolt Action project. I've been kind of itching to get some more uh, Americans painted now that I'm been distracted for a little bit. But uh, that's been my most current project, and it's been taking you know whatever spare hobby time that I have. It's that's really been occupying it. Sounds pretty cool. That should add some flair to that game. Yeah, I think it needs it. I've heard that the up the updated versions of the game come with like stickers or something like that in the game, but I don't I I don't know that for sure. But yeah. it, it it definitely needs something to just kind of help the the player boards so that they can 
yeah, be more easily seen if you just have the plain yellow boards. That's for sure. It's a really good game, though. I've enjoyed playing it. Yep. So, we the main topic for today, instead of doing a game review or instead of doing a discussion about various other gaming-related topics, is we, we thought we would take the time to actually get to know each other and through us getting to know each other you get to get to know us as well and so while brian and i have been on the show forever uh if you're new to wisco dice or uh new to the podcast itself maybe you don't necessarily you, you haven't caught some of that backlog so we thought it'd be a great time to just reintroduce ourselves i'm gonna go ahead and ask the first question and justin if you could just kind of st- kick things off for us since you're the new guy on the block and let us know what your all-time favorite game is okay this this is a bit of a tough question for me i will confess that i suffer a little bit from some might call it the cult of the new right only being interested in the new hot board games or games that are coming out you know i get excited by the new stuff new experiences what's what are the new mechanics what's what's going on so I had to think about this one. And so my answer is going to be Agricola. The reason for that is Agricola is the game that really kind of told, just brought me fully into to, to board games. It's kind of a classic, again, Euro game. It's a game where you're building a farm and you're, it's a worker placement game where you place your farmers out onto action spaces to to just get a little bit of resources and you start building your farm and having it grow you might get a couple animals you might start breeding them and you build out this farm space and you add to your house it's just kind of a foundational game for me in terms of getting me into board games as like my i would say you know my main kind of hobby it's it's one of the first games too where uh you know i started looking for more information I'm learning about it on like Board Game Geek. When I first got it, it's you know the first edition is is what I had, and it you know has a lot of plain wooden pieces that is pretty common for board games. But on the rules, they display all the all the components with these nice little symbols on them. Like the grain tokens have a nice little wheat symbol on them, uh, but the component you have is just kind of plain yellow disc. Uh, and so it's one of the first games where I, you know, I was like, you know what, I want to make this better. And I, I painted, hand painted the little wheat symbols on all the grain tokens and the cattle and the sheep. I painted onto the tiny little wooden cubes that came with the original edition. I didn't have the, the cool, you know, animal meeples at that point. This is old school first edition. So I, I kind of, you know, really got into that aspect and, and painted up, you know, all my little tokens to get more into it. And I think it's just a game you can replay over and over again, you know, try different strategies. The expansions that are out there make it, I, in my opinion, it, you can just endlessly replayable. So, yeah, while it, it may not be the best game out there or even the best Euro game, I think it's probably my favorite game. The other thing I'll say, I think, is that I always will, can appreciate a game where I can have a fun time losing. And Agricola does this too. When you play Agricola, you're, you're building your own little farm. 
and you get this sense of accomplishment at the end of the game. So even if you lost, you're like, here's this thing I built. And I always appreciate a game where I, I have fun playing even if I lose. So, Well, I guess it matters. It depends on how many begging cards you probably have collected during the course of a game <laughs> of Agricola. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But you might have had a fun time taking all those begging cards to do something else. You know? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Agricola is a great game. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it was really close to making the top ten. I've got some really special memories about that game myself, too, particularly a friend of mine. Brian and I know him. He's kind of the guy who sucked us into roller derby back in the day. Him and his wife played Agricola quite a bit, and they got us introduced to that game. And, yeah, I I remember one of my proudest gaming moments, at least at the time, was finally being able to get a victory against them before they moved away. So, <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, we will need to get a game at some point in the future of Agricola. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for all those memories because it's a great game. So, Brian, how about you? What What's your favorite game? Uh, at first, I, we've been talking so much about board games, I had a hard time trying to come up with like a sole board game that was really my favorite. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute. This is still a tabletop gaming podcast. We just haven't been playing much of the miniature games lately. And maybe I'm, I'm on some weird nostalgia trip lately or something, but I really think Warhammer Fantasy has to be my favorite game. And a lot of this like stems from like my first introduction to it as well. And it was kind of like a love at first sight thing. Like I'd always enjoyed fantasy stories and stuff like that. And like, I don't even remember how my friends got into it originally, but I was just hanging out with them one day and like saw it there. And I was just like totally infatuated with it. They had like the whole, I think it was, fifth edition starter, whichever one was like Bretonian and Wizard Men or whatever. And I don't know, I was just totally into it. And I think they borrowed me the rule book like pretty quickly and I like read the whole thing instantly and just the whole like kind of the regular fantasy world, all the miniatures, the stories, the battles, just everything was just super awesome and interesting to me. And I don't know, just having the little figures on the table and fighting out the wars and everything was just like super captivating and like Warhammer Fantasy was really like the main game I played for I don't know how many years as far as like my first introduction into kind of some of the miniature games. Like I was just strictly Warhammer Fantasy. I eventually branched out into other games, especially once Warhammer Fantasy kind of dried up around here. And it was also kind of my introduction into board gaming too. It kind of expanded mostly because of you, Ben. I got to play some other interesting board games and it kind of all kind of spawned from there. So maybe it's like a first love kind of thing. But when I think about something that gets me really excited, like even after all these years, like I couldn't tell you the last time I've actually been able to play a game of Warhammer Fantasy, but just thinking about it, seeing the miniatures, I get really excited. So that's why I had to pick it out as my favorite all time game. Well, I don't care if we have to go outside and be in hazmat suits, Brian. We're getting you a game of Warhammer this spring. I I, I think that's a, a given. Yeah, I'm glad there's still a lot of interest and hype about it. And it still seems like, you know, it won't be too hard to play a game, let alone just us two. It seems like there's other people around, too, willing to get their armies out. Yeah, that's exciting. And and I think the, the other big thing that's helping draw some more hype to that is this talk of Games Workshop reintroducing 
at least some form of square-based Warhammer Fantasy, the old world gaming, even if it's not the same old world we played our Warhammer Fantasy in, uh, it's going to be new and exciting. And I can't wait, and I'm looking forward to covering that when we get to know more about it as it comes out. Yeah, we'll see. I have some reservations about it, but I mean, it's it's exciting for sure. It's it's like a, kind of the same thing with Warhammer Quest. It's that classic game that don't mess with it. Just give me that game, but more. And Blood Bowl is another one. Sure. Give me that game, but more. Oh, wait, don't mess with what that magic that was there because you, that nostalgia is part of the magic, right? And you, you mess with it too much and then... I become, you know, you get disappointed with it, right? So that's that's what I, you know, it's it's kind of that. Uh, do you, hero Hero uh, Quest is another one that just got republished, and like I don't think they messed with the nostalgia piece of it too much with how the game actually plays. Just gave me, gave us all new, really cool figures. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it still hits and it's popular. So I will just go to say that my favorite game is the Batman miniature game from Night Models, hands down right now, and I think that's because I'm act. I'm actively playing it. The lore, Batman, everything. It's just super cool. The detail, the quality of the models. Say what you want about the company, but the and their customer service, but the game is amazing. It they've you know, almost all the crew decks are out now for third edition or going to be out here very shortly. And I I'm just excited I'm just super excited. I mean who doesn't love Batman, right? And these Batman figures are better than any other Batman figures you can get on the market for any board game or anything else like that. And I know it's a tabletop miniature game, but it's not horrifically expensive to get into it and play it. So if you are interested or you're a miniatures gamer, I would definitely check out Batman miniatures game from Night Models and get your skirmish games of Batman swooping in with this grappling hook whipping a couple of batarangs and then punching out a bunch of thugs because that's exactly what happens in this game. Or getting knocked out by Rache or beheaded or something. That's yeah. that's a possibility too. Only, hey, by the way, I think we forgot to ask you something there, Brian. How is that top secret conversion coming along that you're working on? Uh, all I know is zombies. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I see. Well, you know, somebody might say that that conversion is a little bit of being brought back from the dead. The cat's slowly coming out of the bag, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I did want to just touch on my favorite board game, and this went up on the blog not too long ago, so it's not going to be a surprise to anybody, but it's Terra Mystica. So if you go up on the blog, you will see my top 10 board games of all time. At least that was when I wrote that. It might change a little bit here with Through the Ages now that I've been playing that a lot. So uh, that might work its way into that top 10. But right now, that was that Terra Mystica by far is my favorite game. Love it. Can't get enough of it. I've been enjoying playing it on Board Game Arena. I love playing it in person. I can't wait to get the Merchants of the Seas expansion on the table when we can have four or five people playing it with me. It is probably... It is darn close to the game that I need to get to the table when I can do in-person gaming again because I'm I love the game so much. I think uh, we should probably jump into our next question, and that's going to be Justin. What what are your current interests in uh, in in kind of the nerdy gaming hobby? area that you know, that's going on right now it could be a tv show could be a movie could be 
what's really getting you excited? Yeah. So I, uh, there's, there's a couple kickstarts out there that I've been waiting on and paying attention to. One is a game called Cascadia. It's set in a sort of the Pacific Northwest isn't the right word, but it's sort of a, a, a tile laying game where you, you lay out groups of these, these different species of animals like eagles and bears and deer and foxes to sort of build these sets in certain configurations um, has beautiful art. It's uh, kind of a smaller box game. So it's, it's a, a decent price point. I think the Kickstarter was originally maybe $25. They blew through their Kickstarter goal. I think the most recent update is they're looking at, you know, proof production proofs. It's got some, some good reviews out there, you know, of they, they had a, there's a, a, a version on tabletopia that you can try. Um, so you're able to, to try the game right now, you know, before it comes out point being, I th- you know, that's just one that's due out this year that, that, that I'm excited about. Uh, one of the game that, that I've been pretty hyped about is, uh, Res Arcana. This is a kind of a, well, I don't know if deck building is the right word. It uses deck building mechanics, but you really have a very small deck, but it's an engine building game. It's by Tom Lehman. Play sort of powerful wizards or mages gathering energies and creatures, creatures to your side and sort of trying to conquer these great places of power, build these big monuments. Um, it was recently released an implementation on Board Game Arena, and they've done a, I think it's a, a real good implementation of the physical game on Board Game Arena. Other nerdy stuff, right now I'm trying to catch up on Attack on Titan. <laughs> Been watching that a little bit. So, Very cool, very cool. How about you, Brian? What What's got you all hyped up right now? I'm not usually super big on hype, but sometimes a little late to it. I guess I've kept up with a few TV shows or caught up with a few. The Mandalorian, like, I was actually, like, fairly blown away. Like, I didn't really believe the hype for it originally, but that was a super enjoyable show, and I really got a kick out of it. It's kind of like a Western style, and although it's set in the Star Wars universe, like, I don't think you really have to be, like, the ultimate Star Wars fan or anything to really enjoy that show. Like, I've known... Some of my friends, like their parents, even liked it and everything just for kind of the Western kind of story style of it. And it was really enjoyable. So I got a pretty big kick out of that. And then I also kind of went back through and was watching some Star Wars. And you can kind of pick out some things in the movie. And it's like, hey, these, like, whatever particular aliens happen to be in The Mandalorian at this point there. So it's just kind of little tie-ins that are kind of fun to notice. I would highly recommend watching that if you have Disney Plus at your disposal. I guess a few other shows, like, I don't know if Cobra Kai is considered a dorky one, but I got a pretty big kick out of that. Um, I think it was the third season that just came out. I don't remember if it was the beginning of February or maybe slightly before that in January or something. But I hadn't watched that initially, but I had watched it all, like, shortly before the third season was going to come out, and I got a pretty big kick out of that. I would say it's, like, the best show ever, um, getting a kick out of it. That could be a pun. Um, <laughs> but, um, if you kind of enjoy like the uh, Karate Kid and a little bit of nostalgia there, it's pretty fun. And it's, I mean, it's a little silly too. And if you don't take it too seriously, it's pretty cool. Like in the Valley, karate is the cause and solution 
of all the problems. So is what how I've been putting it. And that's pretty funny. I guess another like fairly big thing coming up soon after our show comes out, I think sometime in March is the Justice League Snyder cut. I've been like partially interested in it. Like the DC movies haven't really blown me away. But I'm kind of interested to see what happens with the Snyder cut. Supposedly it's like four hours or something like that, which sounds a little daunting. But I caught one of the previews recently, and that was like the first time I got a little more interested in it. And I'm I'm interested to see what he did with it and how it works out. One of my other buddies is super hyped about it, so I think he's going to try and like organize like a viewing thing of it. So hopefully that'll be pretty cool. That's kind of the main bigger things i've been into uh what about you ben what do you got well i i will say that i'm also very pumped up for the snyder cut and i'm looking very much forward to that and i'm looking up looking even more forward to whatever night models pumps out for new miniatures for their dc universe game that are going to be based off of characters in the movie so i didn't even think about that that could be exciting (laughs) yeah i mean i've got all of the dce uh dcu uh, movies, characters that they've released up to this point, at least for the Justice League side of things. So I'm really excited to see this batch of, you know, what what do they do special for the movie here? Do we get a new Steppenwolf? Do we get a new, uh, you know, Superman? Or what do we get? I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see what they're doing, especially with the new materials they're making models out of. They're just just doing a lot cooler things with these figures so i'm i'm really uh, that's something i'm really excited about i didn't even have it on my list of things i wanted to mention but yeah you got me all pumped up and excited for that i've been watching wandavision a ton we actually have this cool thing my wife and i for on fridays uh before we start work we have our it was well we were doing lunch alorians for for Mandalorian while the season was out for Mandalorian. <laughs> and then so we'd Fridays, we'd, we'd, we'd wait till lunch to catch the Friday episodes, uh, the episodes, because it releases on Friday. But WandaVision, we've been so excited for. And actually, near the tail end of Mandalorian, we got so excited for it, we just started doing it as breakfast. So now we do breakfast and watch or watch the new WandaVision movie or episode uh, that comes out on Friday morning before we start working, which I don't think we could have ever pulled off if we were not working from home. But, uh, one of the perks of uh, the pandemic is I get to sit in my PJs and watch uh, eat eat my breakfast and watch Wanda uh, WandaVision every every week and well soon that'll be done and I'll be watching uh, what is it the what's the next one that's coming out from the MCU uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier or Loki? Falcon and Winter Soldier is the next one I think it, oh, it it's literally like the next week after WandaVision's done I think is the first episode oh, of that. I think oh, they're wow. they're pretty close to back to back, and then the the new episode of the the Bad Batch for the that kind of continuation animated series off of the Clone Wars is going to be coming out on May the fourth. Uh, that first episode of that releases. So there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out on Disney uh, Disney Plus that I'm really stoked for. Of course, well TV aside, I'm still a huge fan of clearly of the MCU, everything Marvel. But my, one of my loves since I was a little kid was Batman, and I've been, I've got a, a DC Universe or DC Infinite or whatever their comic streaming service subscription is, and I've been just loving going through back issues of Batman and, and reading all of the, 
all of these story arcs that maybe I had a comic or two of, but I never had the whole whole series of when I was a kid. And so I was always missing parts and it's just kind of, it's, it's just a lot of fun reading through all of these stories and, and seeing how it's held up. Some of them held up like the hush story arc holds, holds up really well from when it first was written to today. And then some of those story arcs are just like, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that it's very dated, you know. So it's interesting to it's just interesting to to read all of those old comic books and and get get into that. So that's been a big thing for me per, uh, lately is just getting into that kind of nerdy superhero goodness. But I think that's also kind of driven a little bit because that's uh, superhero gaming is a big part of where I've been uh, doing like gaming in the last couple of years too. Nice. Is that a, is that an app that, uh, or can you like do that subscription in the browser or what's the, it's a, it, they have an app and it's a browser, uh, the DC I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for sure. I'll put most of the stuff. We'll have links for all this stuff in the show notes, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's like D, well, it used to be the DC universe st- service and they had some like streaming TV series they were doing, but they moved that all over to HBO max and now it's like DC infinite, but I'm sure if you search for DC universe on Google, you'll find it. I think there's a Marvel one too, actually that like Marvel has their own streaming or uh, comic service too. So you can go get all the backlogs. In fact, I think I subscribed to that too. So, and if you don't like either of those and you actually want to own your own digital copies, I would tell you to go to Comixology, and there you can you can pay for a subscription and get some access. I tried it out; I wasn't really happy with that, but the they had a, an amazing uh, backlog of of old comics you could purchase and have digital copies of. And their release on newer episodes, uh, newer comics was actually if you're wanting some of the newer stuff was actually a little more rapid than waiting for it to show up on like say DC or or Marvel's uh, comic services. I think we're ready for the next question and the next question. question. Yeah. Our next question. So Justin, what got you into tabletop gaming? Yeah. So I did talk a little bit about this at the top. Like I said, my parents were big geeks. They played D and D, you know, I remember times when they had people come over playing D and D and I would, you know, be sneaking around, you know, watching what they were doing. Like what's going on? Like, uh, you know, listening to that and, uh, you know, so D and D stuff was around the house. I could, I could go read through a monster manual, you know, as a, you know, nine or 10 year old, which is, you know, it's just a magical thing that there's these books about monsters and fighting and swords and stuff. And they, and they had a lot of, uh, miniatures. My mom was a big miniature painter. So they, they had a lot of, uh, you know, old like pewter style minis around the house too that that they that they painted my mom's uh that was a big hobby for her for a while um and like i said you know we had board games growing up you know i think one one that uh that i remember a lot when i was young it was uh tales of the arabian nights i guess it's a almost a choose your own adventure so the the game is sort of you're traveling around uh asia and africa uh you know, having these encounters with jinns and and monsters and uh, uh, you know wizards and thieves and all this stuff, and you there's this book of tales that you uh, present some scenario to you, and you have to decide what you're going to do. So you know, a, 
uh, a princess like comes to you in distress or whatever and you know you have to decide you know are you going to aid her are you going to court her are you going to grovel before her and stuff that just my childhood brain just like latched onto that stuff these sort of types of games that one i actually came out was reprinted fairly recently uh five or so years ago a new uh publisher and everything and that is actually one of my favorite games it's it's a storytelling game and it's it's a blast to play it's certainly not a strategy game for for telling a fun story and just having a, a fun gaming experience it's fantastic i also totally outside of the realm with the miniature side of things i did you know play warhammer 40k for a while me and my brother really got into that when when i was in high school and did our best with what we had to uh to, to do some painting you know like i said my my parents had done that a little bit as a hobby and there were supplies around and we you know did some painting and i think i played dark eldar or something and he might have had I'm trying to remember where he might have had maybe had chaos marines i don't remember Still got some some background and love for for mini games and war games like that too. But uh, I think board games just became the thing that was easiest for me to play, and and actually, on an ongoing basis, find a group of people that, that to play with. So that's sort of where I'm at now. Just mostly board games. So Ryan, what did what did you got you into the whole tabletop gaming thing? Oh, cool. Uh, similar to Justin, I think I kind of spilled the beans from, on this question from my previous question, but <laughs> it was Warhammer Fantasy when like, I came across it at my friend's house, and that's really what started me into like the really gamey stuff. I kind of said before, like, I was interested in fantasy stories and like movies and stuff like that, anything I get my hold on, but really getting into kind of the darkier side of things like Warhammer Fantasy was really my big thing for a long time and yeah between that whole friend group I just remember really good times we didn't have like the strictest rules in the game I remember us just kind of playing what we had and everything but it was a whole lot of fun we'd have like whole weekends where we'd hang out and hobby and then play a game like late into the night and stuff like that like crazy like six-player games and stuff. It made no sense, but it was totally fun. Um, that was, like, way back in middle school. And then kind of once we got into high school, I remember playing a little bit of D&D with them, but then we all kind of, you know, got busy with our jobs and school and everything. And then by the time my school was over, that group was pretty kind of spread out, and we weren't playing fantasy anymore. And... Like a long time ago at the game store, I was introduced to the Warhammer Fantasy Battle League, and that's where I met Ben. I'm pretty sure Ben was the my first introduction to the league, and I kind of remembered that experience when my group had gone away and I wanted to come back into the fantasy game. I was able to track down the group again with the website forum and game nights at the store, and... Um, there was many years, I think for a while, we even had like three game nights a week or something. I was able to play at all of them when I was younger and didn't have a whole lot of responsibilities. And from, oh, yeah. <laughs> from there, good. like Ben really introduced me into most of the other mini games I got into. Um, like I said earlier, fantasy was really like my hardcore game for a while. I kind of 
dabbled in a few other things, but it wasn't until like uh, Warhammer Fantasy and the group kind of started to break up, and then eventually the game was kind of terminated where I got into more of the other games. Um, I'm, I'm still probably more of a miniature gamer at heart. I do enjoy board games quite a bit. Um, I don't pursue that a ton by myself, but I really enjoy the game days with uh, Ben and our group of gamers there, and then I have like a couple other fringe groups occasionally where I get to play some of the board games. But yeah, Warhammer Fantasy was my big introduction into the gaming world. And what about you, Ben? How did you get your start? Yeah, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I will say, I, I'm for my part in taking you down the path of experimenting and expanding your gaming life and in gaming experiences, I am very guilty of and very proud <laughs> of that fact. So I, I do remember, and I've got pictures, and if you don't give me that profile picture for the About Us page, I'm going to put up one of those pictures of young Brian playing Warhammer. <laughs> um, yeah, talking about this made me think I, well, made me remember I still haven't gotten a picture up for that. <laughs> yeah, we want, we want to see your face, man. Yeah, I, I remember this young kid coming into the back of Pegasus Games here in Madison with his assembled army of never been painted and never will be painted and now finally getting painted. Uh, only It only took the death of the game to get the army actually painted. But hey, we're not holding that against you. Coming and then coming back and coming back and coming back and, and then to a point where you know the the game nights kind of changed and war machine came out and and the group started to shrink and then it was you know at, at one point it was just the two of us playing warhammer fantasy and then it took off again and we got a group built again and it was exciting and then games workshop had to go and do what they did and it was a really great time but i'm also glad that i'm able to now diversify and try other stuff because there are so many great games and great miniatures games out there that i didn't really realize because that game kind of consumed my gaming life for the most part mm-hmm. so for me now now that get that tirade out of the way for me i got a couple of stories here and i'll try not to go too long but uh the first story is just kind of how I got into gaming. So I think I've been a gamer since I was really little. I say that because I, I don't know if either of you guys remember the old Legos castle, Lego castle systems kind of stuff that there was out there. Yeah, I was totally. Yeah, sure. oh, yeah. Somehow I acquired a bunch of it and we, I don't know if it was <laughs> because I, I, saved up some form of allowance money or where I got the money to buy these kits from. But I, I do know that I had to actually buy them all. So I never, I never got acquired any of the like really big castles or anything like that, but I had a couple of nice little like sets and I had a bunch of knights and horses and I actually playing with them. I wanted to have some more structure to the, to the playing with them than just pushing them around and having, you know, ramming my hands together as they jousted and stuff, right? Like what little kids would do. So I gathered up like all the D6s from board games that we had in the house and actually went about writing and creating my own rule set for like these Lego castle systems uh, figures to fight each other. Um, And it was like a little kid's rule set, but uh, it was my first... 
my first kind of introduction into this, this well, it, ultimately what miniature gaming was, but it was many years after that original kind of tiptoe into Lego castle systems miniature gaming before I actually had my first miniatures because I, I had to shift away from that for a while in my life until as a teenager uh, I was introduced to Dungeons and Dragons, which I had no idea even existed, but thanks to high school being brought together with other people my you know a bigger group of, of kids my age because my grade school was like all of like k through k, k through six i think we topped out at like 20 22 25 kids in the class so when i went to high school junior high and high school it was like holy cow there's like 125 kids in my class big class and i know that's <laughs> pretty tiny still but <laughs> that's what it took to get me introduced to D and then uh, ultimately, I found myself being a dungeon master for years and years and years, and then I saw Warhammer because I'd started shopping at the game stores, and I would see Warhammer, and I drooled over it for a long time. But uh, getting into Warhammer, we had a True Value hardware store. They they moved it and built the first like one of the first True Value su- uh, hardware store super stores in the country in Reedsburg, Wisconsin, of all places. And the apparently, the way I understand it, is the owner's son played Warhammer and loved it and conned his dad into stocking it in their hobby section. <laughs> and, so, and so when they did that, I'm like, well, it's super accessible. I can't say no. And one day I had a little extra money in the paycheck, and I bought the corset, that fifth edition corset with Lizardmen and Bretonians. And away it went. And, and unlike you, Brian, I didn't read the rules. <laughs> I skimmed the rules. Your old rule set you created years I, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I the skimmed. old Lego rule set. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, I got the turn mechanic, and I got like how you the to hits and the wound rolls and that. But I never really understood scenarios until I until I found somebody else that played Warhammer and. This was probably after like the third or fourth game, and they had actually played it quite a bit. And they were like, "No, no, you play it with a structure, and this is how you actually play a game." And they're like, "Oh, this makes a whole lot more sense now." <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I had the core mechanics on how like dudes fought and stuff. I just did not understand because you know, reading whole rule books. I mean, I'm I have a wife now that helps kind of coax me through <laughs> learning new games as we acquire them. So. I, I'm classically bad at reading rule sets, um, <laughs> just just so we know. So that's kind of that whole story that kind of goes together with my, my growth into how I got into this this gaming and, and, and through it. And, and I do remember at some point, you know, getting into Warhammer. And as I got into it, I had a huge Magic the Gathering uh, collection, and I went and sold that whole thing off and bought Warhammer models. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is a way better investment in my money. Out with the old, in with the new. All right. Yep. So. Hey. So. So. Do you do you still have this old Lego rule set laying around somewhere? God no. I I wish <laughs> I did. I wish I did. I'd probably be embarrassed, but I I I do not actually have it laying around anywhere. It's in in all the times I've moved since then, in whatever kid's notebook notebook I was using for whatever class. It was in the back of like a notebook that I was using in one some class I had, you know, in grade school. Yeah. So <laughs> so it probably went in the bin with wherever that notebook went at some point. I I think that I mean. So when when we were me and my brother were getting into to Warhammer 40k, uh, you know, we're 
you know, I was in high school. He was uh, in middle school at the time. You know, we're not rich. You know, it's a, it was fairly expensive for teenagers. But yeah, like we had this same thought. Like we've got Legos. We had we had all kinds of Legos. Like let's make a Legos miniature game. And I've always like thought that would actually be pretty awesome to like have a have a mini game based on Legos. All the all the pieces are there. You've got weapons. You've got armor. You've got all that stuff. Uh, I I think that's an awesome idea. Like be cool if there's something out there like that. Yeah, it was really simple. And like like it had a rule. Like if they had a you know if the model if if the little Lego dude didn't have any it didn't have like the armor plate plated armor that slid over the top of him. He was just showing yeah. like that scale or that chain armor. Okay, well. You just roll a four, four better to kill that dude, and then if they had the big heavy plate on, then you'd be a five or better. And if you added a shield to whatever that armor is he's wearing, then yeah, well, that's just a go. plus one to the roll. And and uh, if they had a helmet on, then because I think I had some like rule about like sixes were crits or something like that. Except I didn't <laughs> call them criticals back then because I didn't know what I didn't have the concept of critics. But I had the the concept that if you rolled a six, that was really awesome. And so. When you did you that, invented the concept of critical on your own, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I had nothing to go. I mean, it was. I mean, I was stealing Monopoly dice, man. I mean, there was. Yeah. I mean, I, there was. I will say, I did have a copy. I, I don't. I don't know if I, I. I don't. I can't remember or recall if this is somewhere in here. I acquired a copy of Hero Quest, which I never got the. Well, one, I was young and never read the rule set. <laughs> And have no idea where my copy of that game went because it's probably worth all sorts of money now. Two, I well, I, I fell in love with the box art and the book or the box was really cool for Hero Hero Quest, and I just never was able to play it with anyone because I was so where I grew up, it was so rural and and so there was never anyone to play, and that was disappointing. Um, but. Uh, uh, that's where I think I think somewhere in there that kind of played into the design of this this Lego miniature game, um, which there was no real. I don't think I had any real measurement ranges or anything like that, so there wasn't really a good movement system to it. But at least there was something that gave it a little structure on how you took out other people's dudes, and then like how. Like I had a rule. I had rules for like the, how the catapult worked and how the the siege engines worked and stuff against castles. So there was some cool stuff there that that I kind of kind of put it together. And I wish I remembered it all, but it's 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 a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. Sure, that's pretty cool. Though. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think we've Did ran you the. You had a second story, or, or yeah. <laughs> I think that was uh, both stories all combined into one, actually. Um, so, so I, I always want to get into that leg- that true value hardware story because I think that's cool too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, who'd have, who'd have thought? You're like, buy your table saw and your worm or starter box. I mean, really. <laughs> Once in a while, at my local like Ace Hardware, I'll see like a, a random board game sitting. Like, I think for a long time they had a copy of uh, Scoville or something. You know, full retail price, just sitting there on the shelf next to I don't know, like, uh, you know, the the like Yeti stuff or something in some corner. Like, it's, a, it's interesting. Never seen Warhammer though. That's unique. It was interesting growing up 
rural and having these these hobby interests and and not having the best access to any of it and no internet either right i mean there's this is a time before internet sure, yeah because yeah, it's yeah a big thing. shows shows how old i am right um <laughs> But uh, it was diff- it was definitely different, kind of discovering these things and and being introduced to them, and then going, oh wow, really? There's somebody else is already doing all this stuff. But I mean, like I remember as a kid, I think at a garage sale or something, I ended up acquiring these combined short story books of like the Conan short stories from Robert E. Howard. And I've recently been able to, I found a few of them at uh, a used bookstore here in town recently and, and was able to reacquire them and add them to my collection. And it was, I remember reading like the original Conan short stories of like, you know, the day he was freed from being a slave and he's running in the wilderness from these, you know, and didn't have anything but the, you know, the chains that were broken, you know, cause the guy literally busted the chains and, and, uh, uh, he's running from wolves and whatever, and then stumbles into this cave where this skeleton becomes animated after he grabs a sword from the skeleton and he lights the thing on fire and says "Crom" for like the first time or something in the <laughs> the story, and that's like the short story. And I was like, "Holy cow!" My mind was blown when when I was reading those short <laughs> stories, and uh, that was before ever getting into any of the D and D novels or Dragonlance or anything like that. Cause that was, I was still probably eight, nine, ten years old when I stumbled into those books. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting to see and hear how, how all of our, uh, different paths to the same place have kind of gotten us here. Yeah. It was cool to hear from you guys. So before, before we get to the close of the show, cause we've went a little bit longer than, uh, the last couple of episodes, I do want to remind everybody that we do have that contest. So just when you see this podcast episode, go out, go find us on Facebook, go find us on Twitter, go find us on Instagram. Give us a, while you're at it, give us a like, we need those likes or we need those follows. And then give us a question for Justin. We want to know what you guys want to know about Justin, something we didn't cover on today's show and something that you're curious about. What's his favorite breakfast cereal? Totally a totally a legit question, okay? So that's how you get entered, and when you get entered, you'll get yourself a chance to win either Tiny Epic Defenders, Time Chase, or Chaos Marauders. And of course, I'm doing the big Vanna White showing the the models to the, or the board games to the camera, not that you guys can see any of that, but just so you know. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of the show on your favorite place to find podcast. Like I said, give us a like on Facebook. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or Instagram and Pinterest. Make sure you you give us a follow there and look and check out all the stuff we're posting there. It is slowly taking taking a, a growth into a being a filled platform with cool hobby knowledge. Finally, if you haven't looked recently, Make sure you catch up on the blog at our at our website at wiscodice.com. Hey Brian, what's that site? Uh, uh you put me on the spot. Um Justin, do you remember what it is? Uh wiscodice.com. That's, hey, right. that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's wiscodice.com. Until next time, guys. Peace out. See you. Bye.